oh, guys, we're down. I mean, both for applause and for sadness. We're down to like three chapters left in the book of Luke, all right? I'm not going to know what to do. I'm not going to know what to do. I'm going to be like, man, I got to find something else. We're going to Habakkuk, something like that. Yeah, you're going to zoom tight. All right, so here's what we did. We have rolled through chapter 20, and I know we got a lot of guests with us. So here at NBC, we don't do it all the time, but almost all the time when you walk through these doors, we are walking through some book of the Bible. We just believe in the scriptures, not in my political affiliation, not in my opinions of the day, not in speaking out against all of the things that church people might say this world is evil for. No, 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 no. We walk through the scripture, the firm foundation. We believe in it. We know that it will not return void. And we've been walking through Luke for about seven and a half years, it feels like. Okay. And so uh, we are at the end of chapter 20, all right? And we got all the way through it, but, but the, this whole chapter, literally, literally, this whole chapter, Jesus is doing what we don't actually know and love and celebrate Jesus for. We should because everything Jesus does should be celebrated, but sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Jesus has taken the church folk and he has looked them in the eye, and he has put them in their place. He has flipped over the tables in the temple. He has answered their questions when they were trying to trick him. He has told them that they absolutely don't even understand, even though they're staring right at him. He has told them that though they've studied and memorized the scripture over and over again, they have no idea what it really says. And the end of this and the beginning of what's next is a condemnation, right? And a commendation. Look at that. Condemnation and commendation. The last four verses of this chapter actually go with the first four verses of the next chapter. So that's what we're going to do today. And here is what it says, knowing that he has gone in and it wasn't about the, 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 the money changers. It wasn't, it wasn't, but it was about the heart. And that's where we're going today. He's coming back to all of these things I said aren't about the sins themselves. It's about where your heart is. It's not about lip service. It's about life service, okay? So we get a condemnation and a commendation after all of these things. Here's how he decides to finish what he's doing. They're in the temple still, and here's what he says. Then Jesus says to them, Why is it said that the Messiah is the son of David? David himself declares in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. David calls him Lord. How then can he be his son? While all the people were listening, Jesus said to his disciples, now wait, here's the deal. He finally says, you guys can be looking right at a verse. Pull something out of it that has nothing to do with the verse and miss it altogether. 
You're so concerned about the sonship of the Messiah to David because Jewish people believed that the king that would save them would be in the line of the greatest king to ever live. But you're so focused on his human lineage that you miss that even David understood before he would ever get here that he is Lord, he is sovereign, he reigns over, he won't be a king like you expect. Even the ancestor you need him to come from knew that. And it's been written for you and you don't get it. Okay? That's where we are. Right after he says all the questions, all the verses, you still don't understand even when it's right in front of you. He turns to his disciples. Remember, they're still standing there. And he says, beware of the teachers of the law. I mean, they're, they're right here. Fellas, <clears throat> beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogue and places of honor in the banquets. They devour widows' houses and for show, make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. I don't know if you remember about, it's probably been eight or ten weeks ago, I just sat down and, and played a song by a, an old pianist and songwriter named Ken Miedema. I played it for the kids and then I played it for you guys. And it was called Mr. Simon. When Mr. Simon goes to church, he plays the part. And then Mr. Simon says, thank you, Lord, for I'm not like that guy over there. I, he is beating his brow and he is broken down and he is weeping before you, but not me. I give my money. I give my tithe. Check me out. That, that is the epitome of these people. They knew the scripture in their head. They never got the scripture in their heart. There was information, but there was no transformation. I want to say that again for the people in the back and in the front and in the middle. Listen, I don't care how much information you take in. If there is no transformation, it doesn't matter. You can have information all day long. But Jesus didn't come to, I have come that they might be informed and be informed more thusly. He said, I came that they might have life. And we're digging and rowing and climbing and working. And so many of us are on a treadmill. We get little blips of excitement, but the drudge of life yanks us down. And we come in for more information, but we are incredibly unwilling to be transformed. That is these guys. Nobody wants to think I'm a Pharisee in some way, form, or fashion. We're all Pharisees. We've all got a thing that we want to be known for. We've all got a thing that we want to be applauded for. We've all got a thing that we want to shout out and say, yes, but look what I do. And Jesus says, man, these guys, do they dress well? Yeah, they dress well. They want you to know what name brand they have, right? Y'all remember the trend about 10 or 15 years ago when all of the labels moved from the inside of your britches to the outside of your britches? All right, and I, yes, I use the word britches. 
All right? Yeah, good Jessamine County word. All right, you remember what I'm talking about? All the labels went to the outside. Everything that you wore, you know, from Guess to Ralph Lauren to Gucci, all on the outside. Show me the brand. Let me know your status by what it is that you can afford to wear. And these guys walk into the church and they're like, yes, yes, us. And listen to me. Listen to me as I pray. Father. And they turn, the voice changes, you know. Hey, guys, how you doing? We got to pray. Dear Heavenly Father. Hey, it happens at every Baptist buffet, all right? Used to happen at every deacon's meeting, right? Everybody's talking, talking. Blessed Father, I cry out to thee. Thee? When was the last time you used thee? But when you pray, you, you, you know, you, you get that old school language, right? Your voice gets deep and you get all mellow and you get all, uh, you know? And it's as if Jesus goes, oh, there it is. There it is. Speak to me in Greek and I'll answer thee. But these guys do this, right? But it's not for the Lord. It's for the acknowledgement of all around them. They like to see, have the important seat in the synagogue. Look at me. I'm in the front. And then it says this. They devour widows' houses. Now that's kind of odd. It's not like Pac-Man, you know. And they go through and they're, they're eating everything. It's not that at all. In fact, there's a discrepancy if you read some theological books about what this actually means. But the likelihood is this, all right? One of two things. It's either that via their requirements, via the fact that they require that the gifts be given and the time be given and the word be given and, and you have to measure up that, that these people give all of they have and if they can't, they literally set their homes on loan to the church. And then if they cannot pay the church, we'll literally have your home. Now, you need to understand that not only does this, all of you guys are like, well, that, that's terrible. It's bad enough when the bank does it. Bad enough when, when, when somebody takes your car or your home and it's, it's a money lender, right? These are the, these are the preachers, the, the priests, the, the, the deacons. This is awful. But they would do it in the name of the Lord and the growth of his home. Don't worry, we'll care for thee with the leftovers of what we sell thine house for. They would devour, and listen, he's very specific. He didn't say people's houses. What did he say? You know how you love Jesus and serve Jesus? Steve, if you reach out to whom? The widows and the orphans and... As much as you have done to the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Jesus' heart splits wide open as he looks around the room at these pompous people teaching his word. And way back in the back, the broken and the hurting and the weak getting nothing as they stand there for stature, hoping the Lord will notice them. And so he closes this thing out by turning to his disciples and say, don't do that. Don't do that. Now this next section, okay? This next few minutes, 
I may say something that you've never heard before. I'm going to preach something that I've never preached before because I think there's something underneath there that's missed. Most of the time when we get to this next section, it is about giving. And I, I have to, all right, just like we get to communion, we're going to do communion. We get to giving, I'm going to talk about giving, all right? So this next section is, in fact, about giving. But I think there's something else. When you put it with this section and add it to it, there's something more. Let's read first. This was the condemnation. Next is the commendation. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. In the temple, you would have 13 boxes. Another reason that we do it this way, all right? Scattered around the room were 13 horn-shaped or trumpet-shaped uh, basins or bins, all right? And they were made of metal, right? So when you drop, they, they, they didn't do, uh, they had coins, right? All of their stuff was in coins. So when you drop coins in there, it made a loud sound, okay? So if you came in with your large, you know, larger coins, thicker coins and multiple coins, when you went to the tube, it was like, and I almost brought like a big thing in. I got some in my office and just made the sound. But I was like, that's just going to take up time. And I take up enough time as it is. All right. But then there'd be the next guy. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, and then the next guy across the room. Ah, ah, all right. And then all of a sudden you hear it. Tink, tink. Most people don't notice tink, tink. Jesus notices tink, tink. Tink, tink. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of the others. All of these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put all she had in, all she had to live on. Now listen. For the visitors, for the members, for, the, for everybody sitting in here, we can talk all day long about tithes and about offerings Okay, we can talk about 5% or 10% or 15% or 20%. I can sit up there and try not to look at anyone and I can watch as the congregation starts to quiver, starts to, starts to move a little bit oddly, all right? But during the season that we are in, during the season that we are in, okay, giving is more difficult, okay? When we have less, when things cost more, called a recession, guys, okay? When gas is $4 instead of $2, when beef is $25 a pound instead of $3 a pound, all right? When a hot dog costs as much as a ribeye, it gets difficult, correct? Anybody disagree with that statement? I want you to listen very closely to what I'm about to say. Jesus upset people, I probably will too. Not on purpose, I'm just going to call it like it is. When times get tight, 
the first thing to go is not your phone, it's not Discovery Plus, it's not Netflix, it's not trying to figure out how to get a different kind of insurance on your vehicle, it's not how to sell your $40,000 car and drive a $10,000 car. What's the first thing to go? Your tithe. I have people come to me all the time and say, hey, money's just tight. You know what I want to say? When was the last time you tithed? You know what we want? We want God to fix our problem and then we'll tithe. How about tithing and then seeing if he fixes the problem? How about tithing and seeing if he fixes the problem? I don't care just like Jesus doesn't care if it's $2 or $22 or $2,222. I don't care because I'm not worried about the electric bill. I believe God's going to pay it. I am worried about your heart. Because Christians across the country are a lot of talk. Do you know how many times a week I hear, hey, I'll run into somebody at Kroger. Yeah, I need to get back in church. Same answer for nine years. I'll be there when you get there. Same answer. Oh, you know, I meant to do this, but I, I'll be there when you get there. No condemnation. You feel guilty, that's on you. But I'm not worried about numbers. I'm not worried about amounts. I'm worried about you. Period. And I get it. I've heard every excuse in the book. And if you want to come sit with me and talk with me about my family's finances for the last few years, come on. Come on. I will pull out my tax return for you and I will pull out my giving statement for you. I don't care. I'm hiding nothing. What are you hiding? Here's what's worse. Jesus commends her. But walk with me here because this is, this is new. But he also puts something out there that is true, but we have to be very careful with. Okay, you ready? I think Jesus is still getting on their case. Listen to me. You can teach good things wrong. Okay, listen. Is giving right? Yes. Is giving right if it's just out of your abundance and you're just, it doesn't cost you anything? No. No. Is giving right if you give all that you have and don't have anything to live on? No. I'd like to say publicly that this passage is a referendum on the leadership. This is a referendum on the leadership. You guys put so much pressure on there that, that, that getting and giving and serving and dressing and how you look and how you follow the rules and how many commandments you follow, if you do all this, Jesus will love you then. If you do all this, you get in them. And you've pushed it to the point where people won't even eat just to try to please you. So here's what I'm going to say. God never says, give, not never, God doesn't request on a regular basis that you give everything and cannot eat. When I say that, I realize right off the bat that there are people in this room who go, oh, wow, yes, 
This is about the Pharisees and about religion and about not understanding and about misconstruing the scripture for wealth. There are also people in this room who say, man, now I'm off the hook because money's been so tight, it's been hard to take care of my family. And I, I'm just glad that when I get back on my feet, I'll be able to do this. You could use that as, as, as an excuse if you want to, but here's what I'm gonna tell you. Ain't none of you starving. Ain't none of you passing up on the movies on the UK games, on the extra sports package. If you're not eating, come to me. We'll feed you. But if you got all the amenities and can't tithe, shame on you. And I wanna be clear about how I am teaching. Giving needs to be sacrificial. If it doesn't hurt, it's not right. It needs to be consistent, all right? And it needs to be, listen, 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 joyful. Well, Craig, I can't give joyfully, then don't. But a joyful giver isn't about the money, it's about the heart. I am not affected by what happens with the widow here. I am affected by what Jesus says here. So as the guy that stands up in front of you, I need you to say that what the Spirit talked to me about as I read through this is that I appropriately, without emotion, without my personal emotions, without bias, preach the scripture to you unyieldingly and point you to Jesus, okay? And not try to get from you by manipulation, okay? That's, that's what... I got out of a brand new scripture that, that's all about um, giving from the least of these, but it's all about serving the least of these, okay? The difference in the gifts of the men and the gifts of the woman is simple. Theirs was easy, hers was hard. And it goes all the way back to the beginning of the chapter where he flips the tables. And I taught you about the sacrifice. Listen to this. This is from 2 Samuel. Remember how I told you that people could come in, they could just buy a bird and then they'd sacrifice that bird because it was too hard to bring a lamb. It may poop all over the place, too hard to bring a donkey. It may slow them down, too hard to bring a bird and keep it uh, un, unblemished, all right? So it's just easier to buy one there and we'll just buy a cheap one and go on. That's what God's problem was. It's become so easy for you that your heart's not in it. Look at what David said. But the king replied to Arana, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord, my God, burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels for it. He bought the whole room so that he could take the first fruits and give it to God. It cost him real faith. Real service, real mission, real giving is costly. And it is not done to draw attention. And it is not done to hear the jingle. Praise God for the tink tink. Well, Craig, thank you for breaking this down for us. Thank you for showing us something new, all right? But how do we get there? How, how do we work through going from Pharisee to believer, to disciple, to, okay? 
there's a verse missing in Luke's part of this story that Matthew actually has. Okay, so I'm going to show you a verse out of Matthew that's from the same story of the cleansing of the temple and the uh, basically raiding of the Pharisees. After they ask him all the questions and he gives them all the answers, he looks right at him and he says, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. There is a massive difference between knowing of someone and knowing someone. There's a massive difference between memorizing a verse and as the deer pants for the water, my soul longs for you. There's a massive difference in being able to recite and being so overwhelmed. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart please you. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I drink, I eat, I yearn for your scriptures when you're thirsty for the word of God to live in you and change you, the rest will happen. How do I change? Dig in. Don't just know of him. Know him. And you know him right here. The scriptures and the power of God. I know I repeat this sometimes, but... Um, There's a verse in the Bible that says a natural man does not understand the things of the scriptures. They are foolishness to him because he is not spiritually appraised. Here's what that means. It's really hard to read the book without the author. So my prayer is, A, that you would come to love, learn, grow, and know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And then that you would sit with him and peruse his word together study the word scripture alongside the word become flesh and dwelt among us okay let's pray God help us to dig in help us to dig in help us to know you and stop being lip Christians Stop being prioritizing family Christians that get everything else done and then you get what's left. Stop, please God, please God, take the, the friends of mine and families of mine and children and teenagers who are working and getting everything that they can and then if there's something left, God can have that. God, make us, make us convicted of that. Make me convicted when I do that. God, every small group leader, every elder, convict them of teaching and training people up in righteousness in a way that is pure and holy and that is absolutely not self-serving. And God, as you move through this place, build us up. We don't learn hard things to tear us down. We learn hard things to change us. We are on the anvil, God being made into what we're supposed to be by you. And that process is hard. God, help us through the hard and make us who you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.